Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota. Mary Meyer is back with us. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, it, Denny. Great to hear you, your voice. <laughs> and yours as well. We always appreciate uh, when you and your colleagues are on. Did you enjoy our summer season? <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> oh, however brief it was, it was wonderful. And yeah, fantastic. I have a lot of things blooming in my garden, and uh, as I'm sure many of our listeners do. Yeah, it uh, it was uh, a pleasant, uh, pleasant change. I uh, saw a bunch of uh, dragonflies already. Oh, and I, yes. I'm, I'm, he- I'm hearing it's going to be quite a crop of mosquitoes this year, so we'll uh, we'll have to see if that comes true. But in the meantime, if you're uh, new to the show, thanks for joining us. We call it Smart Garden, and we are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Mary uh, Meyer answering those lawn or garden type of questions this morning, either by phone or by text. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you know how busy we tend to get this hour. So if you have that kind of a question, call us or text us. Right away, 651-461-9226. I'm a little concerned, I have to say, Mary. I'm looking out at my uh, yard, 
after the snow left us and uh, after this drought last summer, it looks kind of bad. I'm not oh. sure. I always, you know, had a pretty good, you know, lawn, but it it looks like it had been stressed. And of course, with our limitations on watering, um, how do we do? How do we rescue this now? Is it a, a matter of reseeding, sodding? What do you think? Well, it might be. You know, first of all, we have to be careful that, y- yes, you don't get on your lawn and do raking and walking and so on until it's sufficiently dry. So that means the snow has got to be gone from it and that it's not spongy at all when you walk on it. So once it's dry, you can. Raking is normally the first thing that I do in the springtime to remove any leaves or debris that's there. And sometimes I see on people's lawns now this year from the snow plows. There's actually a debris of soil and uh, just just uh, cl- uh, leaves, whatever, left from snow plows. So you want to re- remove that as much as possible. And then, re- yes, if you have large areas, usually we think larger than the, the size of your foot that are exposed soil, you want to do want to think about reseeding those. Now, even though we've had some really hot days, the soil temperature is still quite cool. So it's going to be a while until crabgrass or any good lawn seed will germinate. But you can start thinking about uh, getting that seed or seeding uh, once the lawn has uh, dried out enough to first to rake it. Yeah, now we're getting, at least in some parts in this weekend, a rain. And it looks like yes. a couple of days this week as well. So, uh, And moisture is good, for sure. Uh, again, uh, we had, uh, in fact, early this morning, uh, we received a text. Mary, folks are anxious to, to get, <laughs> get some. Get going. Uh, yes. Uh, this one says this. Good morning. I'm looking for a type of fertilizer to use on garlic, probably the organic type. Thank you for any ideas. Yes, so garlic is normally kind of a what we think of as a heavy feeder, a plant that utilizes quite a bit of fertilizer. So, and if you want organic forms, there are some made specifically for garlic. Uh, and a lot of these are going to be composted manures, uh, poultry manure, uh, cow manure, things like that. But if it really is labeled as a fertilizer, it will have the three numbers um, on the bag. And you want to balance fertilizer. Probably the composted one is going to be something like 555 or maybe 945 or something like that. And any of those are good to use. You want to make sure that it is uh, composted if it's poultry manure and not fresh because that can burn plants. So you want it to, uh, to make sure that it is composted. But there are some made specifically for garlic. And uh, yes, just read the labels carefully. Because if they say it's fertilizer, it will have those three numbers. And um, often organic sources are going to be a number below 10, which is fine. Uh, but the uh, synthetic fertilizers are going to be the higher numbers and going to be faster release than usually the organic sources. Now we're getting a lot of texts, well, some. Uh, about uh, vole damage. You're saying this is quite a year for voles. Have you been hearing that as well? Oh, not only hearing that, but seeing that. (laughs) I mean, voles, rabbits, deer... We had such a snow cover. I, I have, I cannot remember in my lifetime seeing the damage on wild plants, even uh, sumac, that his uh, the 
the bark is completely white. I mean, the bark has been removed and what's there is this white stem of so many plants because of rabbits. Voles are usually down in the ground, tunneling around, eating at the crowns of plants. And voles are vegetarians. They will eat the herbaceous uh, material predominantly. Rabbits, of course, a problem, but this voles like habitat cover. So once the snow is gone, they're going to be going into undercover somewhere again. So raking up, you know, cutting back grasses, if you have grasses or perennials, uh, cutting those back at this time of year and, and reducing the amount of habitat, hiding places really for these voles uh, will help. And if you, if you really have a large number, you can use baits uh, because they're basically, voles are, are a kind of uh, they look like field mice yeah they yeah so they're really uh, very similar to mice basically voles are are a kind of uh, they look like field mice yeah they yeah so they're really uh, very similar to mice so it's kind of using the same uh, strategies that you would against mice okay yeah that's amazing um let's see i'm starting this text says i'm starting seeds using two types of grow bulbs, 5,000K and 2,600K. If I never want the plants to fruit, do I need both of them? If you never want the plants to hmm. fruit, do you need both yeah. of them? Okay, I have to think through this question. Yeah. Yes, so um, that would be things like lettuce or something, if you don't want them to bolt, maybe, I think this person thinks. Basically, uh, seed germination and getting plants to grow um, is fairly straightforward. And many of the traditional shop lights uh, that you buy will provide enough light, as long as you have that down close to where the seeds are. And then I would switch to sunlight after that as soon as possible that you can get your plants up. And as soon as the temperatures are suitable and pretty soon they're going to be suitable for our cool season crops to really go outside or transition between inside at night and outside in the daytime. Once we consistently have temperatures um, in the 50s at nighttime, you can put a lot of the cool season things outside. So for seed germination, I think you're going to be fine with the bulbs that you've got and then transition to uh, sunlight as soon as possible. Very good. Mary, hang on. We'll take a, a quick break reminding our listeners they can call in or text in their lawn or garden question right now, 651 651- Four six one nine two two six. Uh, right now in the Twin Cities, we dropped yet another degree, 48. So it looks like we may have hit our high of 50 or 51 degrees uh, earlier today. 48, our current temp. And as far as an overnight low, it's probably going to be with some showers near 34 tonight. And for your Sunday tomorrow, could be snow. Highs near 39 degrees. You, you stay tuned. 830-WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. It's the 15th of April, and it is 48 degrees in the Twin Cities uh, with more rain and maybe a little snow on the way. You stay tuned to CCO. Denny Long here on this Saturday, along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota, answering those lawn and garden questions on our Smart Garden Show. And as usual, Mary, we have many. 
So let's Good. let's get back to it. Maybe a little bit later. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, arboretum too, if we if we may. Um, this one uh, text says, "Good morning. I put down some dormant seed late last fall. Two questions, please. One: Should the seed still sitting on top of the be sitting on top of the soil after ninety inches of snow? I would have thought that it would have sunk into the soil a bit. And two: What can I do with a very hard soil that doesn't drain well? I've had my lawn aerated in the past. That does not seem to help. I will probably be doing a U of M soil test this spring. Thank you." Well, I'm glad this person is doing the soil test. That That's a great way to know what nutrients uh, you have. Uh, you can also determine the amount of organic matter you have in your soil because organic matter can make a difference in compacted soils. It will make the soil lighter. So adding organic matter is one way to change the um, the the hardness or the compactness um, of your soil. Um, then back to the questions about the dormant seed, I, I assume this person can see the seed sitting there because seed is often very grassy, light colored compared to our dark soil. So the person might see the seed sitting there. Uh, yes, it, it should be there. Some of it will work down into the soil with freezing and thawing. It helps to work it down in the soil. Um, if it's, if you, you could try raking it a little bit if you wanted to, if you thought you were seeing too much of it on top of the soil. The other thing you could try is putting down some type of a straw mulch um, that would help to keep the soil uh, in close, keep the seed in close contact with the soil. So um, I, I think I would go with actually putting on a light mulch rather than really worrying about raking it and disturbing uh, the seed. But the germination won't happen yet because the soil is still too cold. Will soon, but not not today. Not today. Yeah. Uh, happy spring, this texture says, uh, because of uh, insect use. When in the springtime is it safe to cut down last year's flower stalks, i.e. echinacea? Well, we know that the insects uh, do live in the flower stalks. I do this... Uh, kind of as needed and when I can't stand the appearance anymore. And then I do try to leave six or eight inches of the stalk there. So that hopefully, the other thing you can do is cut them off and just lay the stalks down. Because if the insects are in the stalk that you cut off, then they will uh, come out on their own. So once we are consistently in warm conditions, uh, which, you know, this is a little difficult in Minnesota, but I would say by mid-June. By mid-June, we consistently have warm temperatures, and most insects have come out of their uh, life stage that will keep them dormant in the winter. So that by mid-June, you can do more of a major cleanup uh, if that uh, looks better for your garden. Okay. Uh, the listener said we mentioned on the show, not exactly when, maybe it was last fall, I think they said, uh, we mentioned, and I don't remember this, Mary, frost seeding. They want to know if we can elaborate more on that. I think that's very similar to dormant seeding. Yeah, probably. Because uh, the, what what happens with a frost is uh, the the 
that opens up the soil for the seed to go down in there. Now this year we didn't have a lot of that before we got snow cover and so much snow cover that the, the soil tended to stay at um, more of one consistent temperature. But frost seeding to me is the same as dormant seeding. Okay, very good. Uh, this listener says, does the soil used in outdoor flower pots and elevated vegetable gardens need to be changed, or can it be maintained through fertilizing the plants when watering or doing partial soil changes? If it should be changed, can the old soil be rehabilitated and used again in a few years? This is a great question that I have wondered about myself for many, many years, and I've never seen any research on this. Um, so over the years, I've kind of, you know, done my own research, and I use reuse a lot of the soil in my containers, but I take dump the containers out into a wheelbarrow or a large area. I completely remove the soil from the containers, and then I aerate it just in, you know, mix it up again with a shovel in my uh, wheelbarrow. And I don't use totally... Uh, what we call mineral soil or soil from the ground. Uh, I have a mixture of some mineral soil and some potting soil in there. And I find that the containers are really wet. Usually they're really wet in the soil and then I have to leave the wheelbarrow just sit for a couple of days till it dries out. And then uh, depending on how it feels and looks, I try to remove all of the roots of uh, the previous year's growth, just a pl plant debris itself till I just really have soil. And then I put it back in the pots again. And over the years, I have replaced some of it uh, with new potting soil, uh, usually a, a peat-based mix, which is controversial, but that's wonderful for growing plants. And then sometimes I put in a little bit of mineral soil because that's the micronutrients that are not going to be in potting soil. So I've reused my soil over the years. Now, if you don't want to do that or if you have disease issues, I try to remove the plant parts because that's where the disease can come from. If you don't want to reuse your container soil, I would recommend you put it in your compost pile. Okay. You're going to have to help me with this. I'm not aware of new worms. Texas says, what type of damage do these new worms <laughs> do, and is there a chemical treatment for them? Uh, this is our uh, newest nemesis is the uh, jumping worms. It's okay. really, yeah, so I think this person is referring to jumping worms. So jumping worms are our new understanding of the worms that are in our soils uh, today. And while, you know, I'm so old that when I grew up, worms were great and everybody wanted more worms in their soil. But we have such a proliferation of uh, the worms that we consider to be not native in our soil. But a lot of what's happened is we just have huge numbers of worms that are now consuming everything in sight, hmm. the, the duff in the forests, uh, everything, so that they're, they've reached such a point that they're um, devastating and really a detriment. 
So you have to be really careful if you're exchanging soil with neighbors and trading plants and so on. You can get these in your garden. Now, they're not going to start showing up until about mid-July because they they are uh, annuals and they grow from eggs each year. And so it takes a while for them to get get going. But being aware and looking for these in your soil and understanding what they look like, they're called jumping worms because they're extremely active. They're they're a normal size worm, but they jump around and they move once you touch them. And there are no um, uh, chemicals or uh, remedies that we can put on to really kill all of these worms. This is much more of a management issue with, um, it's really difficult not to get them because they're so ubiquitous, but how do you manage them and uh, what kind of habitat will increase or decrease them uh, in your garden? But of course, we have a lot of information on this up online at the extension.umn.edu website. We have uh, worm monitoring groups that are taking place across the state, and you can read much, much more about this um, online. I'm glad you mentioned that because it is such a great resource. If you are not familiar with it, and do check it out. You will be referring to it all the time, extension.umn.edu. A lot of work goes into that and uh, a lot of great information. You're going to love it. Extension.umn.edu. Mary, we'll need to take a break. Have a look at that format and uh, a lot of great information. You're going to love it. Extension.umn.edu. Mary, we'll need to take a break. Have a look at that forecast, whether we like it or not. We'll uh, do that and then come back with about another half hour of our Smart Garden Show. So stay with us here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions this morning from Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. And Mary, as usual, we have uh, many callers, many texters that uh, we can help out this morning. I want to did mention uh, quickly that my wife and I did receive our new membership cards for the Arboretum uh, this past week. Yeah, and uh, anxious to get out there once again. It's always such a fun thing. For those that don't know uh, and have never been there, I trust me, when when they do go, as you know, Mary, they'll be back. Uh, but we, we must, uh, all of us, register online, right? Get online to reserve a spot, right? Yes, that's right. We we have uh, implemented that new system, and it works really well. So we know, especially for big days where the weather's nice, there might be weddings going on or other events, that everyone can get in and have a place to park, etc. So registering online, very, very easy. There are hundreds of spots available on a half-hour basis, uh, and you can easily see uh, even even the day of, the morning of, you can easily register. So that's an easy thing to do. And right now the Arboretum has many things already blooming, all of the early spring bulbs and the wildflowers. You know, many people, know, the, the uh, wildflower garden that we have is 
almost as old as the Arboretum itself. It was one of the first gardens put in, and the wildflowers come there before the leaves come out on the trees. So the early trillium is blooming, and then in the in the formal gardens, we have snowdrops. Uh, many of the acrocus, iris are blooming, pasque flower, and so on. So fabulous place to visit for a walk. Uh, yes, the Arboretum is really a treasure for us. Excellent. Yeah, it is. I'm very anxious to get back out there again. I want to grab some phone calls, but first, uh, this texter, uh, is it a good time to trim evergreen bushes? Yes, you can prune evergreens now. Uh, unfortunately, my ewes look like the rabbits have already done a job on those. Never seen so much damage on ewes as I have this year with rabbits. But this time of year, yes, you can prune um, evergreens. Excellent. Let's grab a phone call or two. Karen, I think, is first up here calling from uh, Maple Grove. Karen, good morning. What is your question for Mary? Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for taking my call. I just have a a question. This year I have noticed in my backyard um, many of the limbs on my trees. It seems like something is eating the bark off the trees, like they're completely stripped. Any idea of what that would be? Oh, Karen, yes, you're you're describing what we are all now facing and looking at. So depending on how high up it is, it's probably rabbits or deer. Because this winter, because of the snow cover, lots of animals did had difficulty finding food, and they resorted to eating anything anywhere that they could reach. So uh, I would just encourage you to uh, wait and see how this plant, these plants look as time goes on this spring. And you'll be able to tell what's dead and alive after a few weeks. It's interesting that my forsythia is in full bloom right now. And it has been girdled by the rabbits. So what's happened is there is there's a certain amount of food reserve in those buds, enough for the, the actual flowers to bloom. But over time, there's going to be nothing because the, the pipeline with the nutrients coming up from the roots has been cut off by the girdling. So I, fortunately, I see the forsythia blooms, but uh, I'm afraid a lot of my forsythia is actually going to be dead. So I will wait a couple of weeks and we'll see how it looks and then have to do some pruning to take off what's dead. All right. This uh, listener, we're going to grab, thanks, Karen. This listener said, I've heard about adding a layer of sand to the lawn to help revitalize it. you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, we do see this on the golf courses. This is called our top dressing or a method to, yes, add some more soil. Now, we don't usually need to do this on a lawn, especially a home lawn, because hopefully people are cutting that at three to four inches tall. Yeah, if I know four inches, a little bit long, but three inches at least, because that helps uh, ensure a good root system. But on a golf course, especially on a green where this, this is on, this is like hanging on the edge here, like growing something so, so small for the recreation of golf that they have to continually add soil to try to help to support that plant. But for the most part, for a home lawn, I would not uh, think you need to do that. All right. Let's uh, take another phone call. Monica's calling in this morning, I think, from uh, Bloomington. Monica, thanks for waiting. What's your question? Good morning to you. Um, I just wanted to ask, we've got low-growing low growing geraniums 
um, are as a border around my perennial garden. And the foliage is, is like this, I'm not sure of the variety, but the foliage is more like a very soft pine needle, short pine needle. And I noticed now it's starting to go into my perennial garden. And I tried to pull some up last year. It's really kind of like really into the soil. And I don't know if it's going to um, be so invasive as to crawl over all my perennials or if I have to like cut them off or or just pull them out so they don't go more into my garden. Do you have any suggestions? I think what you have, uh, Monica, the perennial geraniums, I love these plants. I These are one of our tough ground covers that will grow in drier sites, under trees, in difficult conditions. But they can be aggressive, as you are describing. And they have uh, a great root system, really... Uh, um, kind of stoloniferous root system so the stems root and they will make these trailing uh, <laughs> trailing little plants over the ground yes they can take over an area so um, I, uh, I started out with one or two of these beds and I now have them wherever I want them because they are so easy to propagate dig up, cut back, whatever. So yes, I would say you could probably do both. You can take your pruners and just hand prune them and cut them back. Or you could even take a shovel and uh, dig out an area to kind of reclaim that space for your perennials. But yes, what you're describing is is a, a vigorous ground cover, the perennial geraniums. Um, I love them. They're, they're a fun plant to grow. All right. This texture says, can I lay down a sod at this time? If not, when is a good time? I think it's pretty early to be doing sod. You know, I was just looking at what the normal temperatures are for April, uh, 56 to 34. So it's cool conditions, and, and our cool season grasses like these conditions. But I think the soil temperature is pretty cold. I would wait till the soil temperature is up in, um, you know, more to the 50s and 60s, so the roots of the sod will start growing. So I'd, okay. I'd wait a couple more weeks. Patience. Okay. Patience. <laughs> uh, yes. Is it necessary, listener says, to cut buds off a new peony plant this spring when planted as a bare root plant last spring? Well, maybe. Uh, I would say that you're probably not going to get a lot of flowers on a bare root plant. The, the plant itself, maybe one, you might get one or maybe two at the most flowers. The bare root plant will probably need to be putting most of its energy into root establishment and then leaves. And so maybe if a bud is on there, it might be a tiny flower, but... Uh, I don't think that's going to be your your issue. Uh, I think the plant in and of itself will partition those reserves so it it puts in puts its reserves into roots and leaves. Oh, let's see. Well, I'll tell you what, let's do this. I was going to grab another text, but let's do this. I'm getting a signal. We need to take a break. So let's uh, take a quick break. Uh, just a reminder, coming along in the 9 o'clock hour, if you have any questions about decks, Decks, decking, porches, Luke Panic is going to be filling in for Andy Lindis. He is the deck and port specialist at Lindis Construction. So if you have any type of questions about deck, 
decks or porches for that matter. We welcome your texts or calls next hour. Stay with us here. News Talk 830 WCCO. For that matter, we welcome your texts or calls next hour. Stay with us here. News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to the remaining minutes of our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, we welcome Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota answering those lawn and garden questions, which there are many. Uh, I guess as we head into the growing season, that's uh, that's to be expected uh, every year. And by the way, we're around here with this show 52 weeks a year, just FYI. What about applying, Texter says, Mary, a pre-emergent? If I didn't, uh, rather, if it didn't go down last fall, when is a good time this spring? It's still a little bit early to do pre-emergence because we're talking about emergence of crabgrass. That's the number one thing people use a pre-emergent chemical control for. Crabgrass is an annual in our lawns, and the seed sits out there, and as soon as the soil temperature is warm enough, the seeds germinate. Now, we often try tie this to something like forsythia blooming, but we had such a weird a week of winter, a week of the summer after total winter, that um, the soil temperature is not warm enough yet. Usually this is closer to Mother's Day typically, but basically I look online. There is a there is a monitor online you could find with soil temperatures around the state. And you can also get a soil thermometer, which I have. And you can look for... Um, just it, you could feel the soil and see how warm it is. So it's too cool yet, but uh, I would say in another, depending on the weather, around the first of May usually is a good time to think about putting it down. But it's it's um, it's all dependent on the temperatures we get and the soil temperature, and so we try to put it down before any seed will germinate. Okay. Uh, this listener did not trim alpine current shrubs before they recently budded out. Is there a particular time for this shrub? Alpine current, yeah, I usually uh, think of that as one you can can prune in the springtime, but it you know it, that is a tough plant, and so. Um, as long you could do pruning, if you're really considering the whole shape of the shrub, you could do it any time between now and mid-July. But knowing you are going to be cutting off some of the the flowers or the buds, you can still do that uh, in the springtime. This uh, texture, Mary, says uh, it is my understanding that bees may hibernate in stalks of hostas, etc. So last fall... I left my hosta stalks about 12 inches high. Well, now that we're in spring, how do I know the bees have left the stalk so I can rake the garden for new spring growth? This is a question, yes, again, with what we're learning about insects and understanding about their life cycles and so on. 
they come out as the weather gets consistently warmer. So once it's consistently warmer, and unfortunately that's not till about mid-June for our climate, that's when you can really take the stalks off. You can cut them, however, if you cut them off and just lay them down, you won't be damaging the insects. So you can cut them off and just lay them down and the insects will come out on their own. Oh, okay, good idea. Yeah. This listener says, a long question, most of our grass looks pretty good, but along the street we always get lots of weeds and crabgrass. I put down a lot of grass seed last year, so should we put crabgrass preventer only on the bad areas and then a weed and feed on the remainder? Well, any crabgrass preventer you put down will kill the good seed. So you have to be really careful about doing that. Usually you do one or the other. You use crabgrass preventer or you seed because the you know the crabgrass preventer is going to kill the good seed as well as crabgrass. So you really have to make a call on that. I wouldn't do too much prevention at all with a crabgrass killer. I would, um, but it depends on what you've got there, you know, because you're not, you're not going to get good seed to come up at all if you use a crabgrass preventer. Okay. Uh, this uh, listener, Mary, says an amaryllis bulb has formed one seed pod. What do I do now? <laughs> wow. One seed pod. Well, usually we don't want a seed pod on amaryllis because we'd rather the reserves, the food goes into making leaves, roots, and a flower for next year. So I would take the seed off. You know, I don't know anybody uh, that's raised amaryllis from seed, although I'm sure people are doing this. But that really is, it's a whole different uh, thing. And you're, an amaryllis that produces seed will not have less uh, probability of flowering next year. So are you willing to, you know, to- throw away your amaryllis and grow something else from seed? Cut off the seeds. I'd cut off the seed pod. All right. This listener is ready to give up on the, my backyard here, she says. The grass is pretty overgrown with creeping Charlie and quackgrass. I cannot afford thousands of dollars to resod. Is there any other approach I could take? Maybe just let whatever grows grow. <laughs> yes, I, I think I would do that. I mean, this person is considering cost as a factor, and if cost is a factor, really evaluate what is there. You can always buy some um, fine fescues. You can buy a bee lawn mix now at the store that's going to have white clover in it as well. And you can maintain these plants, clover, creeping charlie, and fine fescues. You could cut them, you know, once a month and still have a a low uh, ground cover there that um, is not a pristine lawn, but it certainly will keep erosion down and will be attractive. So it's, it's possible to do this with very little money. Yes. Another lawn question, Mary. Uh, this listener says, we have extensive snow mold on our lawn. Oh, yeah. What's the best way to re- revive the grass? What can you do about that? You know, I I personally have not had damage from snow mold, but it's amazing how much you can see it right now in the spring. I think what you should really do is think about raking that area. When it's dry enough, rake it and remove uh, any of the uh, debris that comes out. And if you have a, a fairly decent lawn, it will grow back on its own. Okay. Just rake it out, yeah. 
This listener says, to what height and when should little blue stem ornamental grass be cut back? You can cut back the grasses right now. And um, I usually cut them back, oh, six inches or so, four to six inches down. Then I put the tops uh, in the compost pile. So all the ornamental grasses can be cut back now. You can also, sometimes you could just rake out uh, some of the fescues and so on. We'll just have a little bit of brown in them. You can rake it out. But the little blue stem, a warm season grass, you can cut that back uh, right now. I think we have time for another one here. Do you have any suggestions or precautions about using a raised box to grow vegetables and herbs? This is a good idea. Uh, there's a lot more. It uh, gives you a lot of uh, growing space in areas where you might have poor soil or conditions that you just, an apartment or something where you want to grow something um, in a container. So raised boxes are a great idea. And the Hort Society, our Minnesota State Hort Society, northerngardener.org, has wonderful information on raised beds and community gardens as well. So they have put a lot of resources in how to make a raised bed or container gardens. Mary, we are just about out of time. Let's do this. Uh, let's mention again the uh, university website. And, of course, so we urge folks to get to the Arboretum. Well, as I said earlier, once you do, you want to go back again and again. But tell us about that U of M website. Extension.umn.edu. We have lots of resources up there, and the Extension educators are always adding new, timely information. If you have damage on plants from the rabbits, yes, we'll talk about uh, that up there. Seeding in the springtime, what to prune in the springtime, and Arbor Day coming up, Arbor Day. Uh, events at the Arboretum are coming up. Think about planting trees and adding uh, tree diversity on your home landscape. That's a great idea, absolutely. And, uh, Mary, thank you so much for your uh, your help today, your expertise. We always have fun doing it, and uh, we'll do this again, I know. Always a pleasure, Denny. Fun to talk about gardening. Absolutely. Thanks, Mary. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota on our Smart Garden Show. We'll be back, of course, again next Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Welcoming your questions. I know we tend to get very busy. We appreciate your patience. Now, get those uh, deck questions, any kind of a home improvement question, actually, coming along next hour on our home improvement show. Uh, Luke Panic will be filling in for Andy Lindis. He is the deck and porch specialist. So any kind of deck or porch questions, bring it along next hour. Here on News Talk 830. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.